Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I like to think of myself as quite a calm, level-headed person, actually. That is until somebody touches my cushions. The rage, the absolute rage within me when someone comes along, making themselves at home, getting all comfortable, moving the cushions about willy-nilly, and they don't put them back identically to how they found them. I'm sorry, did you not take a mental picture of this carefully created visual before you sat down? Did you not appreciate the fact that the cushions highlight the colour accents of the room? Oh no, it's just a fucking sofa to you lot, isn't it? Yeah, what's worse is when they stand up and they put them back in the wrong order. Yes, there's an order. Or they put them back to sort of how they think they should go, but without really trying, sort of half-arsed facing the wrong way. The absolute rage. I'm ready to throw the telly out the window. I'm going to take a pair of scissors to the cushions when you go because you've just actually ruined them. Actually, in all honesty, I'm thinking about moving home because this is just a site of trauma for me now. And to add insult to injury, they say, oh, let me put these back for you properly. And I say, don't worry about that. I'll do that. The absolute rage. Anybody else? Just me? After the tone, after the tone, leave your message after the tone. Hello, it's me again, Scotty, and you might be able to hear faintly in the background that I'm joined by the sound of rain, and that's because I live in the north of England and all it does is fucking rain all of the fucking time. (laughs) All it has done for the last three days is rain. I mean, that is why Northerners are so depressed. (laughs) Welcome back to another dose of After the Tone, the only podcast, I don't know legally if I'm allowed to say that, but fuck it, the only podcast, maybe, that gives you, a global audience, the general international public, free-ish rain. (laughs) A burner phone, a bunch of calls sifted through by the team, my immediate response, and 40 minutes of your life, that I promise to be almost entertaining. (laughs) That is what awaits you. On today's show, Gemma makes it a family affair, and how to avoid fat panic. But before that, a special, a special? Put my teeth on turning into Liza Minnelli. Careful. But a special shout out, easy for you to say, to our friends in faraway places. Uh, this week, I checked out some of the data to find out where you lot are listening from. And I mean, I'm beside myself. It's far and it's wide. Chance to be a fine thing. <laughs> So, a very special hello to our friends in our top eight locations outside the UK. Hello, United States, Ireland, Australia, Canada, Spain, Sweden, New Zealand and Singapore. It's lovely to all have you here. So um, do wave to us if I've just mentioned a place from where you listen from. Maybe you want to pick up the phone or just say hello to us on the Instagram or the Twitter. If you want already our friend over there, come and find us at After the Tone P-O-D. Hi. 
It's Gemma, just been for spicy cocktails. Last time I saw producer Deb, she told me that I needed to get my sister on. And we're going to do our first duo one because I'm... I think that we should make a weekly slot where my sister does a tale from nursing because that's what she does and her stories are fucking amazing. (laughs) We'll do one now, do the porn magazine one now and then next week she'll do another one. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. You've got to introduce yourself first. (laughs) Oh my God, I love you so much. I've been listening to you for a long time. First time caller, long time listener, big time fan, stalker, in fact, on your Instagram. I love you. Um, so when I was 18, I'd got chucked off my nursing course for basically being illiterate. <laughs> so I had to work in a care home in the meantime until they let me back on. And I worked in this care home in North London and one of the residents lived <laughs> there. One of the residents that lived there went into one of the other residents' homes and she'd stolen something from his room and she put it in her little handbag and it was a tiny, tiny handbag. And it was actually a pornographic gay porn magazine. (laughs) So being 18 years old, I'm like, how do I deal with this situation? Okay, (laughs) so she's completely deaf, this lady, and I couldn't get her attention. I was like... There's a dick hanging out of your bag, like a gigantic dick hanging out of your bag. How do I tell her there's a massive dick hanging out of her bag? So I'm like trying to get, and all she knew how to communicate was, was to scream. So she screamed at me. So I just left her. I left her with the great big gay porn, big dick magazine in her bag. And I thought, what more can I do? I'm 18. Get on with it, hun. And there you go. So virginity's broken with i love big, you with a big dick in the bag big dick in the bag <laughs> yeah so hopefully more to come but yeah big fan love you Mwah. love you uh, right bye hon love you bye hello oh wow it's making a family affair oh no i can't sing can I? i'm not allowed to sing songs how do i sing family affair but in a different melody oh god family affair <laughs> It's a family affair. <laughs> there you go. I composed that myself, so nobody come for me. Hello. Lovely to have you, Gemma. And look, bringing other people to the gang. I love the fact that you've just invented your own podcast. Oh, every week we're going to call up with this. What do you think this is? A free-for-all? <laughs> First thing we need to get out of the way. Spicy cocktails. <laughs> What's the spicy cocktails? I haven't got a clue. If you do know, please call up, dear listener. Um, have I become that old that I don't know what a spicy... Co- I can barely say it. Anyway. So, right, we've got to welcome you into the room. F-T-C-L-T-L-B-T-F. First time caller, long time listener, big time fan. <laughs> You're welcome. And you are also a nurse. And as we know, people that work for the NHS, all they need is a clap. <laughs> There you go, you get your clap. That's your allotted clap for the week, please. Now, where do you start with this? Well, first off... (laughs) What do you mean, first off? I don't even know where to go with it. I mean, the thing that sort of took me by surprise was that you thought your virginity was broken by having a look at a picture of a knob. I mean, if it was that easy... If sexual relations were that easy, just having a look at a picture, I think we'd all be in a much better place. But um, an excellent story, and a great one's coming on, <laughs> said the actress to the bishop. <laughs> oh, bless him. I mean, this is the thing, you know, like, just because you're older, don't mean that you can't have it off. I'm a big advocate for that, with all my 36 years on this planet. <laughs> someone said to me the other day I was queuing up for a thing and this queen said to me how old are you and I said oh, I'm, I'm 36 and she went oh you don't look that old <laughs> anyway an excellent story to come in on <laughs> there's too many double entendres as the French say in that very French accent as you could hear come through there yes I am multilinguals thank you very much and remember next time give us your name we've got to get you a little name Hiya, After the Tone crew. Hi, Scotty. Producer Debs, all the team. 
Uh, this is Otto here. Um, I am a sort of medium-term listener, uh, first-time caller. Uh, I just wanted to respond to the caller from last week who mentioned about this feeling of being an overflowing cup of tea because that really touched me, as I'm sure it will have done a lot of people. A lot of people probably going through really similar things because we're living in quite challenging times. Personally, I'm going through like quite a severe kind of burnout from long-term caregiving for a family member. And I'm just kind of in that situation where I don't, there's not, even though it's a really intense situation, I'm kind of really full with all the stuff that I'm holding. I don't really get much respite. It's just not really possible. Um, and so I've kind of been thinking a lot about how to kind of manage situations that are quite kind of ongoingly stressful when you can't really take a rest and how to kind of find and carve out those spaces. I don't have all the answers, obviously, but um, uh, wouldn't that be amazing if I had all the answers? But um, I guess one thing that I wanted to share that's been helpful for me and kind of continues to be helpful is I like to imagine myself and like really visualize myself as an old butch and think about like, what my face is going to look like and all the lines I'm going to have and all the stories that are going to sit behind those lines. And I think it's just, it sort of grounds me to think about what I would want and need, which is like older butchers that could kind of tell me how to get through things and what I could be if I get through this <laughs> and what I might be able to offer and bring and share and the stories and kind of looking back and narrativizing it from the past and being like, just imagining that I'm going to get through basically and imagining and dreaming that I will be an old butch one day. All right, thanks very much. And I love this podcast and it's really, really helps me a lot as well. So big love to everybody in the pub. Hello, Otto. Very confident start there. And I really love that. I was immediately attracted to that confidence that you've just given us. So really take that. Yes, please. And um, let's first by start... Uh, is that a natural sentence? Let's first by start. Who cares? It's my fucking podcast. So let's first by start. <laughs> Just getting a bit William Shakespeare. Me. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, MTLFTC, medium turn listener, first time caller. I won't hold that against you. You know, people come to this at lots of different times. Caregiving. Now, as we know, we've spoken a bit about caregiving, particularly because we've got a regular that does it on the reg. You know, they're called the carer. And it is a full-time occupation, isn't it? You know thing that I'm sort of having at the moment is sort of carer's guilt. I'm sort of trying to divorce myself from that role of carer, actually, because I was a active carer within my granddad's life, because I wanted to be. Whereas my nan, I don't like her. I said it, I don't like her. I know that she cared for me growing up, and there's a sense of duty, I think, sometimes, as a family member, that you have to be a carer. I mean, this pertains probably... Nothing to your situation, Otto. So I'm sorry for telling this all about me. But, you know, it is my podcast. <laughs> but in terms of, like, the complexities of what that role is, I think some people just think it's like those people are on the telly, on television programmes where they put a bit of violin music underneath and they think, aren't carers lovely people? Aren't they so giving? And actually, I don't know about you, but I actually resent it. Because your relationship with the person, the stuff that that person has done to you in the past, is so there. And the annoying thing about the thing with Minan is that she's um, got dementia. So she can't remember any of the fucking horror. She can't remember being a dickhead. And that annoys me. That annoys me. I think, how have you been able to escape this thing? So I totally understand you fantasising about the future. And I love that because I think so much, quote-unquote, queer discourse is about young, 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 new, 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 young, young, young. And to to be able to fantasise about wisdom, about age, about survival, I think is beautiful. Wherever we end up, Otto, I hope we end up in near enough places that you could be the old butch and I can be the old queen in the corner and we can start giving out the advice that nobody asked for. <laughs> Lovely to have you. Let us know some more, please.
Oh, I've recorded this like five times. Hopefully this one will be the one that works. Hello, after the tone, it is Debs, the one with no tits. I have just left my husband's work party. It's 20 past 11 and I was listening to the podcast and the listener who said about the fat panic. So first of all, Ivy Verger is amazing. Now that you're on the BBC, do I have to say other products are available? But it's like a chub rub stick and it's brilliant. You can order it on the internet. It's vegan and yeah, great. I've used it for years. Very, very good. And I'm just so glad that that's come up because I had a fat panic tonight. I am a small fat, but I am fat. And my husband works in recruitment and there is a certain type of person that inhabits that world. They are very glamorous. They look like they've just stepped out of a pretty little thing advert or boohoo or something. And oh, it just every time I step into that world, I just feel so insecure. And I become that funny fat person you know like the safety mechanism of I'll take the piss out of myself before you can take the piss out of me also while I'm here can we outlaw just asking people about their health like when you have nothing to do with them so I wear a compression sleeve on my arm because of the lymphedema caused by my cancer so it's very obvious it's a glove and like all in one kind of glove sleeve that goes up to my shoulder and it's medical apparel I have to wear it because otherwise I, it gets really painful and the person I do not know at this party was on the dance floor tapped me on the arm went what have you done to your arm the fuck has it got to do with you fuck off like, why do people do this can we just stop asking people what's wrong with them like fuck off anyway I'm going to bed now but yeah that was my little solidarity of fat panic Thank you. I'm so glad you're back. Hi, no tits, Deb. Lovely to have you back in the room. Yes. Now, let's address the first thing, fat panic, with the products that you mentioned. Yes, because we can be found on that their place. I do have to remind people that there are other things that we can use. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But actually, that comes from a more of a me place than it does a them place. Because I think these products... Because they're fueled by capitalism, because they're fueled by fat panic, and um, there's a certain name for these products, and so maybe someone who's cleverer and more articulate than me knows what it's called. It's when, like, products are invented out of a potential insecurity. You, so, you know, like, some people wear pads because they've been told, because they're a certain age, they might leak or they might wet themselves. And that is a genuine thing that does happen. But the way that the product survives is by prying on an insecurity of potential, this sort of fear potential product. And I think a lot of stuff that is available on the chub rub market, which isn't loads, it isn't extensive, but some of it is a bit witchcrafty you know. So I wouldn't want to be an advocate. I would definitely want us to advocate for like, if you've used it and it's worked for you, then it's worked for you. But like you say, being a smaller fat person, who knows if it works for chubs, super chubs, etc. Other people we're you know, because our bodies move and rub and etc. in lots of different ways. Um, work parties. Oh, I know the sort of people. You described them quite well. Aren't they annoying with their like faces and hair? <laughs> I just know the type. Now, there is something here which I talk about within a show that I've made called Fat Blokes, which is company touring. You're welcome. Which is called health elitism, right? Because it's these idea that people like feel like they can have ownership over your body so they can ask you all about it. There's one thing about <clears throat> someone coming up to you in progeny and being like, what's this all about? Which I think we acknowledge is unwelcomed attention. Who invited you to the party? Nobody asked you to ask me about my body. You're not going around pressing people's arms and saying, why haven't you got one of these things on? You know, doesn't work the other way. What I do want to advocate for, though, and what I think is helpful, and not for everybody, but maybe if, if you've got the headspace for it, is sometimes the inquisitive is useful because it can start a conversation. It could be educative. Not to say that you need to be everyone's educator either. But... Like, I've got a scar above my eye, and for a long time it was, like, purple. And people, at their worst, would be like, you've got a bit of makeup on, and they try to rub it off. <laughs> and it's just embarrassing for everybody then, because I'm like, um, I, I don't, it's a scar, it's a facial scar. And then they're, like, mortified. But at its best, it's when people say, 
oh, could I ask you about that line? And then that for me is a like a more of an interesting way to approach things. It's, it's about asking permission. Is that something we can talk about? And I, I don't think I would do that to a stranger though at a party. I think it would have to be somebody I knew well enough to be like, is this something that's allowed to be spoken about? Anyway, most people are knobheads, aren't they? <laughs> I think what we can take from this, no tip, Deb, is like most people are just fucking annoying. And so, moral of the story, don't feel like you have to go to your husband's work party. <laughs> there you go, there's your permission. There's your get-out-of-jail card. Another thing that I'd like to bring up and bring to the table is this fat defence. I mean, a lot of people will be able to relate to what you just said about this sort of disarmoring that we do for other people, often non-fat people, because I don't think I do it in front of fat people, which is you mock yourself. And I I listened back to, uh, I think it was episode one of this season, I called myself an elephant. I thought that was really interesting listening back to it. I was like, oh, what what are you doing that for? And I think we can do it quite a lot um without thinking it's about sort of claiming anything that might be put upon us first but also initiating the idea that you know and that you understand and it's really it's a complex one isn't it and I would love for us to talk a little bit more about that if other people have experienced that if this experience goes beyond me and Deb I'd be really interested to hear other people sort of um let's let's call it the the fat defense mode for now but maybe some other people got other words for it hey Scotty hello producer Deb hello Tim Katmeyer and everyone in the pub I am ringing from my bathtub and uh I wanted to talk about the fat panic summer for fat people question that somebody had well question chat that somebody brought up and um one of the things was about suggestions for how to survive it and you mentioned cotton cycling shorts under everything you wear and I just wanted to name check a uh, snag who make these like they're literally called chub rub shorts um they come in pretty inclusive sizes and loads of different colors they have absolutely saved me the last three or four summers running and me and my friends love them so much that we literally club together and all buy them and do a group order. <laughs> um, yeah, they've been wicked. I've tried like quite a few products, like you said. I've tried the old deodorant on the inner thigh. It doesn't work. I bought those, they're called bandolettes, which looks like the top of a stocking and it's got that sticky stuff on the inside. Um, they're lacy and I just got chub rub in the holes of the lace. So that was particularly annoying because they're actually quite expensive. So yeah, go mad and... Um, don't worry about that horrible John Wayne walk you have to do if you fucked it and you've got job rob because it fucking hurts. I don't think people realise. It's not just like, oh, it's a bit annoying. It really hurts. So there we go. Looking forward to hearing if there are any other hot tips for this slightly sweaty summer coming up. Um, lots of love to everyone. And uh, yeah, bye. Oh, hi, friend. Lovely to have you. And I also love a bath call. You know me. I think, you know, people who really take time to think about their environment whilst calling in, I really do enjoy that. I feel like we should have some more atmospheric calls as well. Like, I'm really an advocate for calls from a car, calls from the bath, calls from a nightclub, calls from the loos, actually. <laughs> Anywhere where you want to call up, essentially, is fine by me. Um... Something that I want to take from this call is, as I mentioned on the last call, you know, like, just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. And there are lots of other things out there and other products and other ways of getting around this. But thank you for your information. The thing that I really take from this is about the collective fat solidarity of you and your friends essentially, like, bulk buying (laughs) products because it's sort of cheaper. And it made me think about, like, in the early noughties, there was a sort of fat fashion drought. It was very difficult to access clothes, um, particularly if you were a mid to larger fat. And fast fashion wasn't a thing. And there wasn't as many plus size brands. And a lot of people were doing like, these fat swap events. And I haven't seen one for a very long time. Sort of came through fat activism from the state. Essentially people sharing clothes and then remaking, re-sewing and having sort of events where you could bring clothes to, you could do a fat swap. You would, you know, you take a piece of clothing that you'd given and there would be some like people who were like, 
seamstresses, people who knew how to use sewing machines, who could edit clothing, customises there as well. And it feels like ripe for the moment to be able to bring that thing back. Not only because, you know, it is really difficult accessing clothes that you like and that you want to wear, but it also is like a real beautiful, environmentally conscious way of existing in this world. And so I wonder if that's what still happened. I haven't seen many but maybe you want to organise one. I really love that this is like fat season on the podcast. Do you know what's really interesting? There will be non-fat people listening to this who I'm sure just wouldn't have a clue. And if that is you, if this is new to you, or maybe you have been one of these people that's pointed, come up to somebody and like touch them or ask them questions, or maybe you've experienced friends who have like done this sort of fat defense mechanism thing that we were just talking about on the last call and as a non-fat person I'd love to know like how that makes you feel or what you think or what any of these conversations make you think as well because yeah I'm very much have been living in a fat headspace for a long time and I wonder what like the norms think It's time for your favourite and mine. It's time for the DM DM slide. Our DMs on socials are open for those moments you can't put your voice to. Anon from New South Wales says, Last week I went into a health store. In there I caught eyes with a guy. We spoke about his tattoo. The eye contact was long. I think he's straight? Question mark. I tried to find him on the shop's social media accounts. I can't find him. I'm too nervous to ask him out. What? do I do? (gasps) That's a good one. Okay, listeners, let's work out a plan of action for Anon in New South Wales. Coming up, we minge on monogamy, Michael's eco-tips and the beauty of queer friendships. But first, a quick minute to remind you of the 10 second confession. Have you got something to get off your chest? Do you want to repent your sins to me? (laughs) If not, why not? Make your message under 10 seconds long and we'll feature it on the show. All you've got to do is send your voice note to this number. 0788-200-3420. Now, I'm fully aware every episode we give a little shout out to our Patreon. And at the moment, the last thing you might need is another person asking you for something. Like many, we are seeing lots of our supporters on Patreon having to drop off because life is getting more expensive and many of us are having to make edits so that we can adjust. If you're able and willing, we'd really appreciate your support over on Patreon. Your generosity for however long, for however much you're able to give, allows this place to function so that others can continue to take part in it. Patreon.com forward slash after the tone. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. Hello. It's wee, it's wee whinge, wee minge coming in with a wee whinge. Hope you're well. Hope everyone in the pub's doing good. Hope you've got a wee refreshing juice or drink or whatever. Hope you're being sexy. I'm doing all right. Still skint, but fuck it. That's not why I'm calling today. Why I'm calling today is because I've decided to go back onto dating apps, right? Um, After a wee time where I felt like couldn't really prioritise myself, so I came off them. And I also wasn't fucking talking to anybody, so it didn't really matter. Anyway, back on them. And so this time, I've decided not to go on to Tinder. I actually went on to an app called Field. And on Field, I was recommended it by a friend, because apparently it was really hot. And it's also very sexy. So everyone is really hot, and everyone is really sexy. But whilst I'm, like, flicking through, what I've realised, everybody, well, not everybody, but it almost seems a lot of people that I'm seeing on these apps or in real life that I'm talking to, everyone seems to be polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous. And I agree and I accept and I think it's a good thing if that suits you, if that floats your boat. Um, But I kind of feel a little bit like an oddball because... I don't really know if that's for me. Like, currently in my headspace, I'm like, I want to be just one person and I want to kind of just date one person and them to be wanting just to date me and both of us just kind of be a wee bit obsessed with each other. I don't know how healthy that is. 
And I'm feeling a bit like, what parts of this do I have to unlearn to be able to accept that, like, we're maybe all shifting into, like, an era, a dynamic where lots of people are more non-monogamous or more polyamorous. And to an extent, I think there's parts of my life, my love life, that I definitely am non-monogamous with. Like, when I've not wanted a partner and I have just wanted these connections, I do think that I tap into that, but... Just now I just want one person and I feel a little bit weird about it because it almost feels like that's not the norm anymore. And like, I guess I'm just looking for some advice as to like, how do I navigate this? If I want to explore it, how do I do this in a healthy way? Well, haven't you come to the right place? (laughs) You know me. You know me. I've got many opinions on this one. Uh, Hi, Wee Minge. Lovely to have you back. Now, first off, good luck on the apps because what... They just seem to be such a toxic space. Like, it just allows people to be the worst, doesn't it? But I have a partner currently who I met on that space who actually having a great time with. So there's that. Let me just preface everything I'm about to say to you by saying it is not a rule. It is not a given. It is not something you must do. It is not an expectation. Listen to what you need. It's just another way. It's just an option. Now, what you're seeing with this idea that everybody is polyamorous or everybody is ethically non-monogamous, those are two different things. And I think it's really easy for us when we're looking around those spaces to think, wow, everyone's this one thing, and they're not. What they mean are two very different things. To be polyamorous is to have loving, committed, romantic relationships with more than one person. To be non-monogamous is a whole different kettle of fish, and that can mean lots of different things. It could be to be, you don't have a monogamous relationship, you do have other partners, they could just be sexual, they could be friends with benefits, they could turning to loving relationships. They could just be hookups, fleeting moments. So there's also monogamish, which is where you socially to your friends and your family or to your friends or family look like you are in a monogamous couple, but you might play with others, you might play together. But So that's monogamish. There's lots of different ways of doing this. There's relationship anarchy. I mean, the internet is there. Knock yourself out. Have a great time with it, everybody. Find the thing that fits for you. My thing is, when people talk about ethical non-monogamy, I have such a problem with it. And I have a problem with it because we don't classify ourselves as ethical monogamists, right? This idea that somehow by being non-monogamous, that there is a choice for you to be unethical or ethical, where actually within monogamy, there is completely the same choice of being ethically monogamous or unethically monogamous. You know, and we know this because we know why a lot of people in relationships in which they get married or have committed relationships that they fail because often what they say within those procedures to uncouple or to consciously uncouple is because someone wasn't able to articulate their feelings and use their words. So I think successful non-monogamy, a successful polyamory is always ethical because it's about open communication to be able to hold that space and say, this is what I am. There's had to be some open communication to do it. Like I said, I preface this with all by saying, this is not a rule. This is not an expectation. It's a bit like when I talk to my friends and they're just like, I don't understand how it works. I'm like, you don't have to. I think often when we talk about like queerness or non-monogamy, people feel that what's being told to them is that they are not doing it right if they're not doing it. It would be as ludicrous if someone said to me, you have to be straight. I mean, for most of my childhood, that was something that was drummed into me by this world, by this country, by law. (laughs) So there's that. But it's ludicrous to think that, isn't it? To think that you'd sit down with someone who said, you have to be monogamous. It's just an option. It's just a choice. So definitely approach it like that. You might want to dip your toe in the water with all of these things, but do it in ways in which there is open communication, you are setting boundaries, you're listening to those parts of yourself that are saying, is this for me? Not thinking, do I have to do this? Maybe other people have got other experiences of this. Maybe you disagree with everything I've said. Pick up the blower. I would love to keep this conversation going. Pop it up. Pop it up. Pop it up. Pop it up. 
before we go to our next school, just in case you haven't listened to our entire back catalogue, if not, why not? Lovely Deb tells me we're about to hear from Fran here, who is one of our lovely regulars, bless her, big fan. Um, Now, some of you might remember Fran discussing her miscarriage a few seasons ago. If that's a subject that's a bit sore to listen to today, then we understand. Fast forward a few minutes and we'll see you on the next call. Um, But first, let's catch up with Fran as she marks an important anniversary. Hi gang, it's Fran. How are we doing? I was actually just listening to the last episode and realised the date and realised it would have been my due date two years ago and I'd kind of forgotten and I'm on my way to work now a little bit emotional trying not to beat myself up for forgetting because I still get hit with waves of grief right so just because I didn't feel it or remember it specifically today and it's really strange I think at the time when it happened and still now there are moments where it feels all encompassing but it's really interesting and there's some relief in what feels like being more on the other side of it and being like able to find positives in my life and things that and opportunities that wouldn't have happened if that hadn't have happened, if that makes any sense. It's just, it's a weird one and it's really hard sometimes not to beat myself up. And I'm sure in the future, if when I try and get pregnant, it will be riddled with anxiety and all the other things. But right now, I am just grateful for my new job, proud of myself career opportunities, relationship, all those sort of things that at many points have felt impossible. Anyway, I'm rambling. I hope you're good. I'm being a bit soft and kind as yourself. Bye. Hi, Fran. Thank you so much. I think there's something that I always really admire, and I hope this doesn't sound condescending about what you bring with this conversation, is the utter openness and the vulnerability in which you share it. And uh, I just want to mark that and just appreciate what you're sharing. And I guess the sort of take-homes for me are like, grief is complex, right? And we're not taught it. We don't learn grief. We simply just are there caught with very complex, difficult feelings. And so therefore, grief shouldn't be formulaic. It shouldn't be like, on this day, I must feel these things. Because I think like you hinted to there, just because it isn't feeling the top of today's agenda, because there are other things that you're holding in your head on this day, that doesn't mean that you don't think about it. That doesn't mean that you don't sit with it. It just means that you sit with it at different times. And I think that is completely allowed and that's completely okay. I think this journey will evolve for you and it'll be interesting if we're still sat here in five years time having the chat and it might come up for you again. It'd be interesting to think about how this settles or maybe it doesn't or how you revisit this. I've said this many a time on this podcast about many different things and one of the greatest nuggets of truth that my therapist has ever offered me is that knowledge is secular, right? Like we come back to things all the time. We come back to experiences all the time, but we come back to them with time having passed, with new information. And hopefully that new information makes it easier, more quantifiable, more understandable. But it'll be an experience that's always with you. Of course it will. But again, I think that's really important that we recognise that it doesn't have to be formulaic because there are other people out there who may have gone through this just because they grieve in a certain way. That doesn't mean that that shape fits everybody. Thanks, Fran. I really appreciate you coming back and coming back to this and sharing it with the pub. Hello, Scotty. This is Michael. I called you last week with my poo stories, so I felt a little guilty. So I thought I'd um, clean it up this week, literally. Um, I was just thinking about 
the lack of rain we've got at the moment, and I'm a bit of a sort of an eco head. So I was thinking my top tips for how you can save energy and save water at the same time. It's all a bit dull, so I get it over and done with. So what I do is when I'm waiting for the shower to, when I switch on, and I'm waiting for the water to heat up, if you stand under it while the water is heating up, you can have a cold shower, which apparently is good mentally and physically. You feel invigorated, and then, you know, you've saved on your energy. And then what we also do is, and current husband took some persuading to do this, is um, we'll f- have a bucket, so we shower over a bucket, so the water from the shower goes into the bucket. And honestly, by the end of it, you've got a full bucket, and then we... Um, take the lid off our system and then flush the water in there and then it gets rid of aforementioned poos. I do suffer a bit with floaters, so they don't go down on a first attempt. But, you know, it's it's saving watering even if you have to do a couple of um, flushes. So I hope that helps. Cheers, Scotty. Take care. <laughs> I am so going to re-nickname you current husband Michael. <laughs> Because I just love the fact that you offer no permanency to that relationship. Now, what's some great eco tips there? I was thinking, uh, no, I don't know if this is a real thing, but that has made me think, because I've got a lot of my plants near my bathroom, what I could do is whilst the cold water is still coming out, I could water my plants, couldn't I? That's a good idea. I know one of my partners brushes his teeth in the shower for the same thing. So it's interesting, isn't it? We all have these like little ways of being. You know, we've spoken today about swapping clothes and that sort of thing, particularly like sort of plus size clothing and clothing exchanges. I think eco-consciousness happens best for us as humans when there's a sort of um, a double payoff. Do you know what I mean? So when we're able to do something that doesn't feel like we're missing out on something, that doesn't feel like we're losing something, that we're gaining something, always feels like a real successful win, doesn't it? So maybe other people have got other things that they want to call up and share, you know, their little life hacks. I love a little life hack. More of that, please. Hi, Scotty, producer Deb, Kat, Tim and Maya. It's Lauren calling from Melbourne. Thank you so much for bringing the season back. Um, I'm loving it already. There's already <laughs> so many conversation um, trails that I want to comment on. But I just wanted to say, and I apologise for my pronunciation, Susha, Sasha, from up north who's moving back home. Um So obviously I am originally from England and I live in Australia. Throughout my time away, I have thought, do I want to move back? And definitely during COVID, I felt this immense, really, really visceral feeling that I must come back. Um, I am flying back to the UK in five days for my first trip in four years. So I'm super, super excited to see everyone. Uh, My partner, she's back there at the moment so we're doing separate trips this year because you know why not we've been on top of each other for two years during covid and not in a fun way so very excited to um have some time apart and see friends and family i said to her would you move back and she said actually yeah like i would move back it's different from what i remember it so i think um you know your brain plays tricks on you around Maybe like you don't remember the bad things or you don't remember the mundane things or maybe you do remember those and you feel comforted by some of those like routine things. I don't know. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm interested to see how I feel when I go back. Yeah, no, like this is <laughs> no advice whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm nervous that like my partner wants to move back to England and I might not want to. So um, dot, dot, dot to be continued. Lovely Lou calling from Melbourne. Always lovely to have you in the room. Yes, now this is um, from the call from Season 7, Episode 1. I actually don't know if it's Saoirse or Saoirse, because it could go either way. So Saoirse slash Saoirse, um, let us know which version that is, because that is important that we get people's names right. The world is opening up again, and it is bringing with it some of these thoughts and these fears that we haven't had to deal with for a long time have we one of them being flying for me about like trying to put my fat ass back into a like a chair that wasn't made for me you know it would be really good to know Lou if you've got the headspace for it what that feels like in real time 
what it feels like coming back home as it's unfolding. It would be interesting to hear that in a way that wasn't retrospective. Something there about what you and your partner want potentially being different is always a fear, isn't it, in relationships? Like, will we align on this thing? And if we don't align on this thing, what does it mean? Because I think what it means for me is compromise, right? But for some other people, these things are like absolute red flags. Oh, can you move that motorbike? How rude. I'm trying to record a live podcast in here. So it would be good to hear more about this. Maybe you have recently gone through this experience as well, dear listener. Maybe you want to get involved. Hi, Scotty. Hi, producer Deb. Hi, Tim, Kat and Maya and the rest of the team. And yeah, hi, everybody in the pub. Couple of things. Very quickly, I heard my little confession on the show today and it cracked me up. (laughs) And it just made me feel really proud. So yeah, basically, I need to name the fact that I am the person that had the sex dream about you, Scotty, and about that there, JRF. (laughs) It was it was really hot and it was just so embarrassing. I woke up and I was actually blushing um, and I couldn't believe it. And it, yeah, it just cracked me up. And lastly, I just want to talk about how beautiful queer friendships are. So me and my best mate have been best mates since, gosh, since 1998. And we're in our 40s now. And she's my platonic life partner, basically. And I've got a date tomorrow. So obviously I told you about splitting up with my husband and just, yeah, living my full poly expression of myself. Um, I have got back-to-back yeah, clients today for my job and I didn't have time to go to the shops. And basically my best mate has just gone out to get me a douche. And I literally, I love her so much. <laughs> What a beautiful expression of friendship and love. She's gone to get my fucking douche. (laughs) I really like you. Whenever you call up, I'm always like, this is going to be a good one, isn't it? First off, 1998, trigger warning before you say things like that. Oh, I don't know if you come into contact with people whose birth year is like 2000 or beyond. I'm like, no, that is not a time when people were born. People are not full grown up adults who were now born during that time because I was fully conscious, (laughs) semi, around that time. So there's a long standing queer friendship. First off, let's deal with the sex dream. Maybe people are listening to this before going to bed. Maybe that's why I'm infecting people's dreams. But the amount of people that I'm having it off with whilst they're sleep and not in that way way. I mean in their dreams in their dreams fully consensual within their dreams oh god we're going down a rabbit hole there aren't we anyway now what a beautiful friend to go out and get you a douche what I mean, <laughs> I mean, absolute queer solidarity, love. And there was something here that I want to pick up on. First off, there are heterosexual people. Sorry, trigger warning. There are heterosexual people. There, <laughs> there are another trigger warning. There are heterosexual people that apparently listen to this podcast as well. Now, I'm wondering, do the hets, the norms, they are real people too. Do they know what a douche is? A douchey, as I like to call it. If you do, please call up and let us know. <laughs> I don't want to give an explanation. I want to hear what a douchey is for you, please. But there was something here that sort of related back to Wee Minge's call. Because you have spoken to us in the past, dear caller, about being in a relationship that was non-monogamous and you've left that relationship now and you're living your full best poly life. And I wonder what you might offer and what you might say to Wee Minj, who is having this moment of being like, is this something that I need to be? Is this something that I should be trying? Is this something that is ubiquitous? Is everybody it? And I wonder what you might think of that. Pick up the phone. It would be lovely to hear from you again. 
And that's all we've got time for. Wow, we have covered all of the houses today. We've gone from NHS workers having to navigate pornographic material, fat panic, fat defence, non-monogamy, marking grief, how to deal and navigate grief, um, sex dreams, <laughs> queer friendships, the works. If any of that has stirred you, if any of that you want to respond to, or perhaps you've got something on your mind that you want to share with the pub, you know what to do. Open up the WhatsApp and send us a voice note to this number. Zero seven double eight two hundred three four two zero. Also, please be my friend. I'm so bored of asking you lazy bitches to come and join us on the internet. Come and find us on Instagram or Twitter at After the Tone P-O-D. For now, that's your lot. And I'd like to leave today by saying, remember to tell somebody in your life that you love them. Anybody. Even if they can be a bit of a cunt sometimes, I think they'd appreciate hearing it. See you later. After the Tone is presented by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Bride, Vice Producer Tim Bano, Assistant Producer Maya Miller-Lewis, Digital Producer Capriel. After the Tone is a Debbie production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.